Welcome to Down There Aware. I'm Alex. And I'm Mary, Alex's mama. Each week we sit down to discuss various topics concerning gynecologic cancers and women's health care. In 2019, at the age of 32, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer and became painfully aware of just how unaware I was of everything down there. On this podcast, we interview experts, share personal stories, and explore new research. No subject is off limits, so we caution you to listen at your own discretion. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Down There Aware. Today's very special. It's not only is it Valentine's Day, but I uh, am joined by some of my peach sisters, as I've been calling them forever. Um, some women who are on that Facebook group I've talked about several times. Um, and I just put out a little blurb and said, hey, who has struggled with a romantic relationship or dating or marriage after diagnosis? And several women were interested. So we're going to start a little bit of a series. Um, but today, first joining us, we have two lovely ladies, Rylan and Veronica, and they're going to introduce themselves. And then we'll just have a chat, a little girls chat. <laughs> Thanks so much uh, for having me join, Alex. I'm so excited to be here. Um, my name is Rylan. I was diagnosed with endometrial cancer um, right before the pandemic. So January of 2020 um, was grade one, stage one. Um, and, you know, started my journey with hormonal therapy. And at the time, um, I was dating my now husband. Um, and so trying to navigate, we were in a very new relationship, trying to navigate that, um, along with a diagnosis was definitely challenging. For, for sure. And Veronica. Hi, uh, I just want to say thank you as well for having me here. I'm excited to talk about my journey. Um, so my name is Veronica. I'm from Philly. I was diagnosed back in November. Um, I was stage one as well, grade one. I, I was I was shocked, but I wasn't because my menstrual was kind of crazy. Um, I'm married, so it was a shock to both my husband and I. And uh, we were just getting ready to start trying to have children. Um, so of course this was a huge shock. Uh, we had decided immediately to get a hysterectomy until we spoke to my oncologist, which was amazing with, um, just sharing like what of our, what, what our other options are. Mm. And, uh, we decided to do fertility sparing treatment. So we got on medication and pretty much been on medication ever since. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your stories, lady, ladies. This is very, you know, it's important to get the word out because, um, you know, you were just getting into a relationship and now you're married, Rylan, and, you know, you were just starting to think about having, starting a family, Veronica, the, that's a young age, right. To get this type of cancer or any yeah. type of cancer. Um, and mm -hmm. especially in your reproductive organs, it really impacts you. So Rylan, I'm curious because when I was diagnosed, I had recently gone through a breakup and I wasn't really dating. Um, so how did that impact a new relationship? How did your boyfriend now husband at the time, um, how did that, you know, impact him and, and what kind of conversations did you have? Oh, wow. Um, so we were together, we were going on, what is that? We were going on like two years. Um, at that point. And so, you know, I was 33 at the time. And so at that two year mark, you're like, okay, I, I think I can see myself being with this person for, you know, a while. And so we're talking about, you know, 
what it would be like if we started a family, things of that nature. So I can remember my testing and letting him know that, you know, I had an abnormal pap. These are the things that I have to do. And him being a little nervous, but optimistic um, throughout, like, it's nothing. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Um, cervical biopsy came back normal. I was like, okay, great. We just have one more biopsy to get through. We'll be fine. Mammogram came back fine. And then I get the call. We need you to come in today and you need to bring somebody. So mm. I call, I was at work at the time, actually. And I remember calling him because I live in, uh, in the Tidewater area and all of my family lives in Northern Virginia. Mm. So, you know, I called him, I need you to come with me as a doctor. And he said, oh, it'll be fine. I said, no, I've watched enough doctor shows to know <laughs> right, when right. they tell you that you have to bring somebody like it's not good news so mm-hmm. I just remember collapsing into his arms um and really just I went numb when the doctor you know told me that I had cancer and I kind of looked at him and over me I had like this glazed look of like okay if you're not ready for this if you're if you're not if you're, if this is too much for you, like it's, it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's okay. Um, but because he had just recently gone through the trauma of losing his mother. Mm-hmm. And so it was like maybe a year, a year after that, if that. And so he just kind of held me and was like, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. We have to get, we have to go see as many doctors as we need to do. And mm-hmm. was very supportive. Um, but I think also managing his emotions really well because I could see the kind of fear in his eyes, especially because at 33, who thinks that you're going to be dealing with uterine cancer? Absolutely. Yeah. And Veronica, how did your husband deal with your diagnosis, especially on, you know, the conversation or just starting to think about starting a family? His initial reaction was just like, I just want you to be okay. Like mm-hmm. I didn't get married to do my life without you. So whatever we need to do to make sure that you're okay is what we're going to do. If we're not going to have kids, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We can adopt, we can get more pets. Like he was just, <laughs> yeah. he was just like, whatever you want to do is what I support. But just keep in mind that I want to make sure that you're, you stay around. Like, so he was very supportive. I was scared because my husband's very quiet. Like he doesn't share, mm-hmm. he doesn't show a lot of emotion. Yeah. Um, and I knew how I felt and I knew like the stress I was under and I'm sure he felt the same. Um, it just wasn't showing it. So I reached out to a few of his friends and I'm like, listen, I have some things going on. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, please call him, check on him. I just want to make sure that he has an outlet because he's not going to be able to talk to me about it. Right. Um, I'm like, because I want to make sure that he's okay. Um, and his friends have been great with just being there for him, which that was so important for me. I'm like, cause I have support, but I need him yeah. to have support as well. Because mm-hmm. even though I'm the one going through cancer, we're both living through it together. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So it was, it was hard. It was really, really, really tough in the beginning. I mean, I, I was only 29 when mm-hmm. I got diagnosed. Oh, so wow. I, you know, it was something that I didn't expect. Yep. Um, I, 
I definitely knew something was wrong, but you know, my husband, he's so positive. He's like, everything's going to be fine. You know, much like your husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. You're being negative. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> I know my body. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no one's going to tell me there's nothing. I will go to every single doctor in Philadelphia until they tell me what's wrong. I know something's not right. Yep. I can just feel it. Um, but he, he, you know, it, it was hard, but he's doing so much better. <laughs> we both are. Good, good. And so you've been going through fertility sparing treatments. Um, what does that look like for you? And how has that, I mean, it's been a few months now, right? So how has that impacted your, your life, your romantic life? How has that, um, you know, kind of taken, taken its toll? So I remember when I started, I'm on Majesterol, mm-hmm. um, which is mega, um, I was on it for like a month in the beginning before I got a DNC and they gave me an IUD. Um, and it was horrible. Oh my goodness. I was so moody. I just always was bothered. I was like really irritated. Love life girl was not happening. Okay. When I tell you that pill turns it off completely. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, am I the only one that is going through this? Like, and I feel bad, you know, you're in a marriage, you're supposed to please your spouse and everything. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. It's not you. It's me though. It's what I was mm-hmm. talking. I'm like, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> um, so, you know, when I got on the oral medication, it was really hard. And then fast forward to November, I got a DNC and I got the IUD. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got on the IUD, I was like back to normal. Um, our okay. level was fine. Everything was fine. And then the end of November, my body actually rejected the IUD. Oh no. It was the most painful thing. Oh, it was so painful. I was literally contracting like I was having kids. Oh wow. So I called the hospital, you know, I called the on-call and he was like, yeah, you're just going to have contractions until it kind of settles back into place. Mind you, I was like bleeding all over the place after the megas had stopped the bleeding. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, I can't continue to bleed like this. I'm like, this is just a constant reminder that I have cancer. And it was just a lot, you know? And, uh, it was really tough. So I I was in pain like that for five days, every single night, Mm. every single night. So then you know, I got an ultrasound come to find out it was just like it got caught in like like in like the space right before it comes out. Mm-hmm. So it was just wiggling its way down. Oh, and no. that's why I was having so much pain. Yeah. So they ended oh, up wow. taking the IUD out. They tried to put a, a new one in. My uter- my uterus was so angry that they weren't even able to put it in. I was in so much pain. Mm. Um. So I've been on Megas ever since. So since the end of November and my sex life is non-existent. Mm. Like I said, every time I get on this medication, it's just like, it is so tough. It is tough. Like even looking at my husband is different because I don't feel, I don't feel that sexual desire. It's just completely gone. And I feel, I feel so bad. It's something that makes me feel horrible. Mm. Um, and trust me, I told him, I was like, we can just try, but it just didn't, it just didn't feel right. It felt like I was being forced because it's not mm-hmm. something that I was feeling. And I, I expressed that to him because I also don't want to damage my mental health trying right. to please him, um, being as that I was already going through so much. Uh, so I expressed that to him and, you know, we've decided to just kind of, I get another DNC in March and they'll be doing, um, 
they'll be doing they'll be giving me another iud so okay. then you know we'll, we'll start get, that over yeah get back to normal oh man what <laughs> is, yeah best of luck because that is so terrifying I, you know i'm fortunate i didn't have to go um you know through the iud experience but man that just seems like not only incredibly painful physically but struggling with their relationship and you know the the um intimacy that you're wanting to have and that you have had previously but then you you can't and you don't feel like it and oh that's so challenging yeah. and then rylan what about you what was your um treatment kind of schedule oh, wow. like and how did that impact your relationship well i let me just say it's not you it's the megase because my body didn't agree with that either um so when i had <laughs> when i had my um there's so many appointments when i had my first mri to find out that there was no myometrial invasion um they i opted for uh the iud the marina and then the then the dnc as well um i had to seek a second opinion because my first doctor wasn't trying to do a dnc before the marina insertion which i didn't understand so after seeking mm-hmm. another oncologist um we did a dnc and then she inserted the marina um which contained everything pretty well um for the first year my body really responded well to marina didn't completely eradicate the cancer but it contained it within the lining so i was like okay maybe my body's just taking some time to um to respond then but you know there's those mile markers that you have and so my doctor was like okay after six months you know and it hasn't cleared up then let's try and add in an oral and i'm pretty i don't really take a lot of medication um, so I was like, okay, well, we'll see. So she prescribed the Megase and it was horrible. Mm. Um, sex drive was non-existent. Um, and, you know, not to give too much information, but we had a very healthy sex drive at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, my depression was extremely horrible mm. and I had a very flat affect. So I wasn't able to get like a really good belly laugh. Like I was just kind of mm. numb and I didn't really say anything because I, I, in my mind, it's like, I'm just going to grin and bear it. This is something that I have to do because we, if we want to have children and I want to carry my children, this is what I have to do until one day, um, my husband, you know, he was like, um, you, you have to stop taking this medication. Like you have to stop your mental health is suffering. You're not yourself. And it pains me to see you like that. Mm-hmm. So I called my oncologist and pretty much said, I'm, I'm going to stop taking this today because I'm feeling suicidal. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't want to feel like this. Um, and I work in mental health. So I'm, I'm recognizing myself going down that, that spiral, that dark mm-hmm. spiral. Right. And so she ends up putting me on Provera was at five milligrams, then 10 milligrams, because my body being its own kind of person moves at its own speed. Mm-hmm. So we upped it from five to 10. I'm still with the IUD. Um, still didn't get a clear biopsy year of 2020 into 2021. And at a year mark, my doctor was like, okay, um, it's time for hysterectomy. Like it's been a year. And I said, Oh no, Mm. I'm not ready. Like it's still contained. Like it hasn't progressed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I want to try to add in some some herbs and see a naturopath and see what else I can combine with the medicine that you're giving me to help me kind of give some estrogen blockers and try and build my immune system up. Um, lead into last year, uh, got engaged. We got married last year and in August. We finally got a clear biopsy where it was just hyperplasia. And I was like, thank goodness. Like, thank goodness. Really was happy about that. Three months later, cancer was raging in the lining again and then spread to the uterine muscle. So um, the hormonal therapy has led to me now having to make the decision to have to have, you know, a hysterectomy where they leave the ovaries to preserve my own, my own life, which is something that we've just recently been moving through. Mm. So challenging. And, you know, anytime my, you know, my story is I didn't go through any fertility sparing treatment. You know, I was at a time in my life where I was single. I wasn't looking to try and have a child at the time. And I wasn't in a relationship where that was going to happen anytime soon. Um, and so, you know, my doctor really, um, encouraged me and and said, you know, give it some thought, but this is really the recommendation. And so I went ahead and Mm -hmm. had a hysterectomy, but there's so much about being a woman that removing that organ, it's like, you feel like a different person and, you know, you feel like, um, you're not whole necessarily. And that's not true as we know, but you do have that feeling. And so, um, you know, to walk through all of the fertility sparing treatment and then to have to go through that on top of it, that must've been a big challenge, especially as a newlywed. It definitely was a challenge um, because we both were, obviously he married me after, proposed me after my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he, we always knew that it was a possibility, but was never the answer. And so leading up to my decision to have a hysterectomy, I met with fertility doctors. I made them do every MRI, every PET scan, like, no, Mm -hmm. you have to show me, like, you have to show me where it is. Um, and I, my oncologist was so supportive every appointment. She was like, you know, you really scare me. Cause I don't want anything bad to happen to you. I said, nothing bad is going to happen to me, but I have to be okay with my decision. Mm-hmm. Um, being a newlywed, um, it definitely was challenging throughout the experience. Um, but at the end of the day, he was like, don't worry about me. Don't worry about your mom wants you to do. What do you want to do? And he held my hand every step of the way, um, which was very helpful and, you know, helped me look up doctors and alternative treatments and take, took a real holistic approach to where we have a whole infrared sauna in the, in the house to help with healing. Um, but yeah, he's been very supportive, but it definitely is challenging because it's not how you see yourself starting out your marriage. Um, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I get married at what? 30. Was that, I was I'm 34 about to turn 35. My God, you know, I, I have a great man. I have a great job. And then the cancer diagnosis hits. I'm like, well, what else are you going to throw at me? Life? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you feel no. like you're in your prime. I mean, we were all, you know, yeah. in our- late twenties, early thirties. And it's like, I, okay, life's good. I finally, I figured out my stupidity in my twenties right now. I'm moving through into, um, into being a, an adult and, and really my own person. And then it's like, bam, you hit a wall. 
So it's, it's so frustrating. So Veronica, I'm curious now that you, so you've been doing this for a few months, you're going to go back on the Megase. Um, what have your, uh, scans or biopsies or what does, what is your doctor doing to cut, to kind of check on the cancer and see where it's at? So I actually seen her last week. I got an MRI a week and a half ago and I got my results last week, but I'm just going to backtrack a little bit because I I have to tell you ladies and you all that are listening, how crazy it's been since I got diagnosed with cancer, right? So I got diagnosed with cancer. Then I was put on the megas, got taken off, got put back on. So apparently the megas causes high blood sugar. Mm. And at the end of December, I became a diabetic. Wow. Top of everything. Sugar was almost at 500. I'm like something. I was telling my husband, I'm like, I feel weak. I feel so tired. I was sleeping like on and off. Like Mm -hmm. I was taking like nine, 10 naps a day. I just knew Mm -hmm. something was wrong. I was so, you know, went to the ER ended up in DKA. I was in ICU for three days. Oh, it was horrible. They oh, come to wow. find out because, you know, when I got the DNC and everything, my blood sugar like levels were normal. They're like, mm-hmm. how were they so normal a month ago? And then fast forward, here we are and you're a diabetic. Like what happened? So then they started doing their research or whatever, come to find out the mega is, is kind of what like propelled that. Mm. Um, so you know, that happened. And then a week and a half later, I caught COVID. But Ugh. I didn't just catch COVID. I caught COVID, pneumonia, and sepsis. So I was in ICU for oh, wow. seven days. Oh, my gosh. When I tell you I was, like, fighting for my life, I didn't think I was going to make it. Like, I was on oxygen. I was in ICU. They were like, if you don't turn around within the next two days, we're putting you on a ventilator. Like it was bad. Uh, so now at this point, I'm like, what else could go wrong? Right. You know, like, I'm like treating cancer. Now I'm like treating diabetes. I'm like, now I have COVID and I'm like, not even sure if I'm going to make it. Um, but, you know, by the grace of God, I'm like such a firm believer in God. Um, you know, I'm just so thankful to be here. It was like really hard. I was asking everybody to pray for me because I didn't even have the strength to pray for myself. Mm. I was just like, so weak is horrible. And, um, you know, I'm so thankful that I made it through. And when I got home, it was even worse. Like it was hard in the hospital, but when I got home, it was harder. I couldn't walk. I could barely talk. I couldn't get out of bed for at least three days. I was like crawling up the stairs and like coming down the steps, sitting down because my I lost almost 20 pounds that week. So like my legs were weak. Oh, it was horrible. Mm. Ugh, that just sounds horrific. Like a cancer diagnosis is enough. And then on top of it, your medication gave you diabetes. Then you have this horrific, you're in the middle of a pandemic and you get it, but you get like the worst version of it. Ugh. And I was just like, awful. You, know, you hear all these stories of like people catch COVID and they end up extremely sick. Um, but I never thought it would happen to me. Right. And thankfully, I had gotten my sugars under control pretty quickly mm-hmm. because if I would have had my sugars high the way they were back in December, um, I would have had even more complications because, mm-hmm. you know, they put me on steroids that already causes your sugar to go up. Um, so thankfully I changed my eating habits right away mm-hmm. and I started working out right away. Um, and it really controlled my sugars. So that was like 
one good thing, but, you know, because I had sepsis, they were afraid that my organs were going to start shutting down my heart. My EKGs were all over the place. My heart rate will go up to like 180 and I would just be laying there. It's not like I wasn't moving. I wasn't mm-hmm. doing anything. Um, my oxygen was like going up and down. It was horrible. It was just like really tough. Um, you know, COVID did a lot of damage to like my lungs and my heart. Mm. So fast forward, um, you know, now I have all these tests, right? I have right. my for the cancer. I have to get an ultrasound of my heart. They're like, don't be surprised if you end up seeing a cardiologist because, mm. you know, between sepsis and COVID, like it did a lot of damage to your heart, whatever. Yeah. We're going to go, we're going to get you an ultrasound of your lungs just to make sure everything's okay. So I got the ultrasound for my lungs. Everything's clear. There's like no damage left to COVID of COVID. Wow. Uh huh. I got my ultrasound done for my heart. The inflammation has gone down. My valves are clear. Like everything is perfect, which I didn't expect because I was just right. like, I could feel like my heart was all weird. And I'm just like, you know, me being the believer, I'm like, thank you, Lord. I'm like, you got mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But the cancer one was the one that I wasn't sure. I'm like, you know, I've only been on medication now. I've gotten so sick. Like, Lord knows right. what's going on with the cancer, too. So I kind of embraced myself for that. Um, but when I went in, they were going to do a biopsy. And then they were like, you're not here for a procedure. So I, then I got even more scared. Mm-hmm. She's like, the doctor just wants to talk to you. And I'm like, why? Yeah. What did she want to talk to me about? She was like, well, I can't tell you. You got to talk to the doctor. That's okay. Go in her office. She's having me sign paperwork because I'm getting a DNC next month. Mm-hmm. And she like never brought up the MRI. So I'm like, okay, I got an MRI done last Friday. What's going on? Mm-hmm. He was like, well, you know, you have one side of your uterus that was like really thick. She was like, it has gone down a lot. It has thinned out. She was like, so, you know, it's a step in the right direction. I'm like, great. And then uh, she was like, and I just want to tell you that in the MRI, there is no trace of cancer. Exactly. What? <laughs> yes. And I was like, what? What are you saying? And she was, I'm like, are you sure? Did you like check it once, twice? Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah. She was like, your MRI shows no. I was like, so wait, I just cut her off because I was like, this is too much. I was like, so are you saying I'm cancer free? She was like, well, you know, we don't like to say that because yeah. um, she was like, you don't really truly know until you have a hysterectomy and we send it to pathology. She was like, but because she was like, we trust MRIs. We wouldn't use them if we didn't trust them. Mm-hmm. She was like, and from what I can see, there is no trace of cancer. I was That's like, incredible. I know it's That's just great. you know. So the news has only been like not even well a week old now. Yeah. Um, but I was just in such shock. Like it was even hard for me to like share with like my family. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was just like, what just happened? This past month has been like such a big blur, and you know, with everything that has happened since December. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and to be here. I'm like, it's like miracle after miracle after miracle. That is truly amazing. amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I am so happy for you. I hope that your DNC goes well and that, you know, that continues to show there are, you know, are no cancer cells in there um, because what a journey you've been through. Um, And, you know, it would just be kind of like the cherry on top to say, nope, cancer, you're gone. 
Okay, I know it was crazy. So back in November, um, they had my doctor had presented my pathology results for the DNC to like a tumor board. They were having like a meeting and they called me and they were like the cancer well so when my first doctor my obg which she was new she was great because my other doctor never wanted to listen to me when i told her something was wrong Mm -hmm. so i changed to her and i told her i was like something's really wrong so she did the she did the biopsy and um she was like the she was like so you have a lot of hyperplasia she was like and the cancer she was like, I don't even know how the doctor found it. She said it was so small. You can tell it had just started. Mm. She was like, if she would have probably did the biopsy like a quarter of an inch to the right or a quarter of an inch to the left, she wouldn't have found it. Wow. So just the whole story, like, yeah, to end out to be where I am, I'm like, this is truly just like a miracle. Like, yeah. I just couldn't even. I mean, like how else, like for me to have survived all these things, like, you know, to think in one day I was fighting cancer, diabetes, sepsis, COVID pneumonia, like that, one of those things is enough to kill someone. So to be here and to hear that, I was just like, oh my goodness, I can breathe. Like yeah. things are finally turning around. So sure. you know, fingers crossed. I know is there's always that possibility that it can come back. Um, you know, but I'm staying uh, prayerful that, you know, things go the right direction. I mean, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, just because of the possibility it can come back, you know, I'm still in the possibility it can come back. And I even next week I have uh, additional blood work because my CA125 was elevated. And so she wanted to see me earlier. Um, but mm-hmm. I've been cancer free, right? They don't say it, but um, right. since July of 2019. And now, you know, we're in 2020 and or 2022. Goodness. Um, and so there's always that possibility, but that doesn't mean you can't celebrate now. You know, it doesn't mean you can't celebrate everything you've been through, um, everything your husband has been through with you, um, because that's just uh, what a joy and how how exciting. So I'm curious, what is the, um, you know, and for both of you, when you were going through those fertility sparing treatments, since I never did that, what was the plan, um, you know, at what point does your doctor kind of give you the okay to start trying again to conceive? Um, well, for me, my plan was, um, obviously to get me to carry at least one pregnancy in her mind, in my mind, I was going for as many pregnancies as I, as I could um, at the beginning of my treatment. Um, but her goal was to get me to carry at least one child. So I was supposed to be able to have two clear, clear biopsies, whether it be um, hyperplasia or nothing, just no hyperplasia with atypia, and then do a DNC and then um, do IVF. She said that she wanted, she initially linked me up with um, a fertility doctor, an onco fertility doctor, who ran through all of the fertility tests, checked my AMH levels, which were about an eight last year um and my follicles to see like if i would actually be able to do ivf mm-hmm. so we got all those numbers done got all the blood work done so everything was done in preparation for me to get the okay mm-hmm. to start trying to carry a pregnancy um pretty much my doctor out of year mark she's like if you don't respond you're you should have a hysterectomy um that's what i'm going to recommend but again i challenged i was like um 
okay, that might be what you think, but according to you, I'm not supposed to have this. They don't, they don't understand how it develops. Right. So if you're basing your knowledge off of people that you've treated who meet a specific mold, and I don't want you to hold me to that standard. Because Absolutely. That mm-hmm. So Absolutely. yeah, that was, that was the goal. The ultimate goal was for me to carry and then to have a hysterectomy after. Mm-hmm. Mm. And what about you, Veronica? What, what steps do you have to clear or, you know, tests do you have to clear before you're allowed or given the okay? Uh, So I just got my first clearance. Um, My doctor told me I would get test every three months Mm -hmm. and I have to have at least three clearances back to back. Um, I did meet with a fertility specialist and um, we've decided that she will give me like an oral medication that'll force me to ovulate because so the day I found that I had cancer, I found that I had PCOS as well. Of course. Like double whammy. Right. Um, But I wasn't too worried about the PCOS. I'm like, listen, technology and medicine is far in advance. I'm sure they can give me something like Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about that. Um, So the doctor did say that she can give me um, an oral medication to get me to ovulate. Um, you know, so apparently there's like a limit in BMI in the state of Pennsylvania where like it limits IVF treatment. Mm. Um, so it's not something that I can do in this state. Sure. If it's something that I decided to do, I would have to do it outside of the state. Um, it, but that is like my last resort. If I can, you know, take oral medication and ovulate and then go from there, that will be great. But if not, um, then IVF is my life's resort. But uh, yeah, so two more, so six more months. So two more negative tests and then we'll kind of move on to the next. But she said as of right now, there's no spread. It hasn't, like everything is like, I, I don't want to say gone, but not there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> well, that's I'm going to tell you one thing, Veronica, like just from someone, you have to, just from someone you know, having to change my trajectory, you want to celebrate the small wins, no matter how every, you can only, you can only deal with the information that you have. And for right now, the information that you have is that there's no cancer present. You can't live in what your previous scans look like. You can't, you know, worry about the scans or the biopsies to come. Just celebrate the small wins. That's something that helped me get through each of my biopsies, two years worth of biopsies and MRIs and BNCs. And every time, even if the cancer was still there, the small win was that it was contained and it had to Celebrate that small win, girl. It's just hard. It's it's so hard for me to... I try not to live in fear, but you know, there's always that fear in the background. Um, and it's not always present, but you know, it's something that I try not to think about, but it's kind of there, you know, it's cancer. Um, and you know, when I got diagnosed, my little cousin who's 15 died from cancer. So it was just Mm. like, it was just a lot. And I'm just like, so to see that happen, and knowing, and now no one knew that I had cancer at the time. Mm-hmm. So like the family didn't understand how it was affecting me. Right. And, um, so, you know, it's always that fear, like seeing what cancer did to her, even though it wasn't the same cancer. Um, but seeing what it did to her, it's always just that fear. Like yeah. what if, but you're right. I, I should be selling. Everyone's telling me this. Cause I finally shared it with my entire family last night. And, um, 
everyone wants to celebrate and I'm, I'm definitely okay with celebrate, but I'm so afraid to jump too far ahead and yeah. then, and then only to retract and be like, Oh, but then at the same time, what if it doesn't go back? What if it doesn't go backwards? Right. Should celebrate them. So it's just, it's a lot of mixed emotions that I'm yeah. struggling with. Yeah. It is. And yeah. you know, there's one day you feel one way and another day you feel another way. And you know, you might feel really joyous one day and really celebratory. And then another day you feel like really down kind of in the cancer dumps, right. Where you're just like, this happened to me and this sucks. And, you know, so you have this like roller coaster of emotions. And, um, you know, I think even being two and a half years out from my surgery, I still go through that, you know, I still have ups and downs of, well, this is, you know, a day that I'm really happy that I'm here because it's not always guaranteed. And then there's days where I'm like, well, man, that sucks. I wish, you know, that I had this experience instead, but, um, own your journey because it's yours and yours alone. Um, and I think that both of you women have been through tremendous, um, uh, you know, challenges, but you've, you are so positive and you've come through everything. Um, and Rylan with your change of trajectory, that is, it's never fun to get a curveball ever. Um, let me tell you, it probably I'm positive now, but I'm going to tell you, I got the news that it spread into my muscle new, the week of new year's Eve. Uh, and so the following weeks after that complete train wreck, like complete train wreck because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Having to sit with, do I do this? Do I do that? Well, if I do this is, um, my mom going to be upset that I chose to do this or is my husband going to be upset or not agree with my decision? And it wasn't until he sat down and was like, it's about self-preservation. You know, if, if, if we will, if it's meant for us to have a baby, then we'll have a baby, but you have to be here in order to raise it. And so it has not been easy. I mean, a lot of ugly cries, a (laughs) lot of just like, um, not really wanting to talk. Um, Mm -hmm. even to my husband, like being in the same house, like I just, I don't have it to like, I don't have it to give to you today. Um, and I had to, you know, actually be okay with saying that to him. Like, I'm today's just not a good day. Like, it's just not a good day. I don't want to work out. I don't want to talk. I don't want to, I just want to lay on the couch. Um, so it's me changing my mindset about me wanting to be here to raise my child. And it's still, it's still an opportunity. Um, you know, they, we're going to try, you know, egg harvesting after a hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter how many bad reviews or how many, you know, people tell me, well, you know, your levels are going to change or, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. I'm going to tell you, mine is going to work. I'm speaking into it. <laughs> That's um, mine. mine is going to work um, because I haven't come this for me, I haven't come this far and gone through treatment and biopsies, which we know are not fun and right. are extremely painful. Yeah. Um, to just end up not with my end goal. I just have to change. I had to flip that mindset, but it definitely wasn't easy for me. Like yeah. it's still not easy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I feel like the hardest part is like, you know how they always say stress makes everything worse? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I definitely didn't experience depression, which I'm so thankful for, but I was under a lot of stress. Yeah. And, um, you know, my mom is like, she's that constant reminder. Like if you're constantly stressed out, your body is not going to be healthy. Your Mm -hmm. body is not going to react the way you wanted to react. So it was just that constant reminder of stop trying, like stop stressing. But I'm like, how do I stop stressing? Right. There's because there's everything to be stressed about. You know, there's only so much that taking a walk or doing some yoga or praying or meditating can do. There's there's still going to be some level of stress. So it's just it's, you know, impossible to get rid of it completely. But you're right. It can impact our treatment and the cancer itself and everything and just your state of mind. Um, You know, Rylan being in mental health, you know, in the mental health profession, you know that stress and, you know, meditating or, um, just kind of ha- taking time to yourself can really be helpful. Um, but yeah, but it doesn't always stress. work. Either. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's not a magic thing. pill. It's <laughs> no, not. And the funny thing. thing about it is I'm a certified yoga instructor as well. So I teach yoga mm-hmm. and meditation. So when someone will remind me, well, have you done this today? Yeah, I've done that today. <laughs> of course it's I not have. Working. <laughs> like it's not working. Like it's, there's no magic equation to work right. through distress. Like you're always going to be stressed about something. Um, even like down to the smallest pains that you have, like, mm-hmm. oh, I feel something. Like, yeah. is it just like a cramp from the IUD or is something happening down there? And I need to call my doctor. Um, right. It's yeah. about managing it. I think that that's the key. Trying exactly. to manage it. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's okay to not be okay there. Sometimes you need to cry. Sometimes you just need to be on the couch and sometimes you're going to feel like superwoman and you're going to get your whole to-do list done. You're going to work out. You're going to, you know, prep your meals for the week. You're going to do everything you're supposed to do. And it's a balance, right? Sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. So, um, just remembering that you are strong. You have gone through something that very, very few people have, um, especially at your age. You know, it's easy. Uh, I think they haven't done a lot of research into uterine cancer, endometrial cancer, because it was seen as an old woman's disease. They've already had their children. They don't need their uterus anymore. Oh, you tested, you know, you had some abnormal cells. We'll just take that out. And it's not a problem. And, you know, they're right. It gets rid of the cancer and they're fine. Um, But what happens when you're 29, 32? 35 getting this diagnosis and you're in the prime of your life and in that planning stage, you know, as Mm -hmm. someone who I had just, you know, gone through a breakup and I was like, awesome. This is really what I needed in this time where I was grieving this relationship to be like, not only do you have cancer, but you have cancer in an intimate place where now you won't be able to carry children, you know? So Mm -hmm. it was just a a slap in the face, but you know, it's okay to take that time that you need. And I love Rylan that you were able to just tell your husband, I, I, I'm not okay today. You know, Mm -hmm. I need space today. And advocating for yourself, not only with your doctors, which, oh my gosh, both of you have been so, you know, upfront saying, this isn't right. I need to change doctors. I am going to try this other method. I'm going to, you know, because I know my body that's so important, but also advocating with your loved ones 
to say, you know, I'm not okay. I need extra support. Um, I need some space today, or I need you here with me today. Um, just being able to communicate that is it helps your journey be that much easier. Never easy, but would, it lightens the load. I would agree. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I know for me, it wasn't, it, I didn't have that skill initially. Yeah. Um, I'm more introverted. Um, I'm the, for me, I'm the strong, I'm the strong friend. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm who people come to when they have so an issue that I can fix everything. Yeah. And so it became overwhelming because I never fully released it and wasn't communicating with him you know, letting him know, like, cause I, you don't want people to worry about you, especially right. strong friend, right. You're like, no, I'm fine. I'm having a great day. I got this. The sun is shining, mm-hmm. but really like low key, you're having a really emotional day. So it wasn't until my lack of communication started to affect my marriage where yeah. he sat me down and was like, okay, I can see you're not okay. Yeah. I can see you're in pain and that you're cramping, or I can see that you're worried. Just let me know how you're feeling. I don't want, I want you to tell me so that I know Mm -hmm. how to operate. But when you don't communicate with me and I have certain expectations or think, you know, think that you should be able to do certain things and you can't, it frustrates me because I don't know where you're at. He was like, you can, you can tell me and I'll be fine. Like I'm stronger than you think I am. And so being forced out of my comfort zone to communicate when I'm having a tough time has helped me overall as a person, because now I'm able to say like, ah, not today. Like I'm not really mm-hmm. feeling it, but he forced that out of me because he saw me kind of on this downward spiral to where the diagnosis was affecting me as a person so much so that it was affecting how we communicated in our marriage. Yeah. Well, and, you know, just finding that support system, whether it's your romantic partner, your husband, your, you know, friends, your family, parents, anything that, um, you know, support system is critical. I know I, when I was first diagnosed, um, the, actually the first person I told was a friend of mine. Um, and it just happened to be that I got the phone call while we were in a text conversation. And so it just kind of came up. Um, and one thing he said to me a few weeks later was, um, I cried for you tonight, so you don't have to cry as much. And it was one of those things where like, you know, where it was someone who, was so strong, was a a rock kind of in my life. And I've never seen him cry, you know, and, but for, to hear that from someone, it was really, really special. So I think that, you know, having that person in your life and someone who can kind of call you out and say, look, you need to share with me how you're doing because Mm -hmm. we're in this together. Um, it sounds like you picked the right one, Rylan. (laughs) It sounds, you know, I, I thank God every day that, you know, um, that he came into my life or back into my life because, um, I've known him from a long time ago and then we reconnected, but he has been, the person to hold the mirror back up and be like, okay, I need you to take a look at yourself and all those strategies that you try and teach other people, like you need to start implementing some of those every Mm -hmm. day so that you can kind of get back to, get back to yourself and feel like yourself again. So yeah, it's been helpful. And Veronica, it sounds like your husband has been there right along with you and just, you know, has understood what you needed, you know, when you needed it and um, Mm -hmm. to let you kind of, you know, take your own path and and to support you in that way. Yeah, he's definitely um, 
you know, been very supportive, but I will say, and he knows this. Um, so it, it won't be a surprise when he hears it upstairs. Um, <laughs> My biggest where I feel like, I mean, obviously I couldn't have gotten through all of this w- without him, mm-hmm. but I have two cousins. One of them's named Rosie, one of them's named Karina, who I adore. Uh, when I found that I had cancer, you know, we were like, okay, let's get healthy. Let's start walking. Let's start every morning. They will come. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause right now I'm a full-time student, so I'm not uh, working. And, you know, they drop their kids off to school and they will be here by like eight 30, nine o'clock. And then we'll go, we'll start like walk jogging mm-hmm. and everything, just trying to get um, healthy. And a month later I was put on bed rest because I was like bleeding Mm. the bed rest was what did it for me was where I was like super stressed out because now I'm like I can't go outside I can't be active when I tell you those girls were here Monday through Friday up until it was time to go pick their kids up in the in the Mm. afternoon or if they had errands they're like Veronica get dressed I'm coming to pick you up so you can come with me we're going to the market we're going to the store so if you need to buy anything and just having and I never knew that they cried, just like you said about your friend. Yep. Um, I never knew that it affected them because I was always the one crying. I was always mm-hmm. the one devastated and, and always until one time my cousin was like, you know, I was talking to um, my boyfriend last night. She was like, and I'm so frustrated. And she started crying. And I'm like, wait. I'm like, I'm sorry. I've just been dumping so much on you. I didn't realize that you were being affected. She was like, it's not that I'm affected. She's like, it's that I just can't believe it. Yeah. She's like, I can't believe that this is your life, that this is what you're going through. And she's like, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to be there every step of the way. And when I tell you Mm -hmm. they were there to dry my tears, Mm -hmm. they were there to pick me up. They were there to hold my arms when I couldn't walk, when I couldn't stand. They, because, you know, my husband works, so he can't physically be here all the time. But they were just, they were God sent. Like, I wouldn't be where I am now mentally and emotionally if it wasn't for them three. Yeah. My mom didn't know how to accept this. So that was a struggle for me Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I just want to go to my mom and give her a hug and, and her tell me everything's going to be okay. But she, it like never registered to her that I had the cancer. She was like living in fear. So that was tough. That was really tough. So I had to lean on other people and it was the best thing I could have ever done. I'm telling you those you know, those three, my husband and my cousins really, really have carried me through. And mm. to this day, we talk every single day. I wake up to messages every morning. We're in a group chat and um, we're just so much more intentional. And it has just been it was, it's been amazing. Cause unlike you, Rylan, I'm very outgoing and I'm outspoken and I talk and I don't care. I'm like, you either like me or you don't. And, um, this was something I decided to keep quiet. I was like, I don't want to share this. This is a lot. It's overwhelming. People are going to have questions. I don't have answers to, and it's just going to be too much. But then, then I realized later on that that was killing me inside. Mm-hmm. And I was like afraid of my mom's reaction. If I shared it online, I'm like, what if I tell my friends online? because they're just my closest friends I'm like and then my mom gets upset and I was like you know what I had a conversation with my sister and I, sh- I shared it online and just the overwhelming like outpouring support and um 
you know, people calling and texting and messaging and saying that they're praying for me. It was just everything I needed. So just like the community around mm-hmm. me within my church, within online, within my two cousins and Kenny, like it's really been like the pick me up that I needed in those stressful moments where yeah. I wanted to be alone, but I shouldn't be mm-hmm. alone. So I had to learn that because I wanted to be a long girl. I wanted to be just like you. I didn't want to talk to somebody, (laughs) but that's not what I needed. And I didn't know that. So I needed to let other people teach me that. And uh, Mm -hmm. now I'm like, you want to love on me? Come love on me. I'm going to love on you. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. Uh, Ladies, you are inspirational. I am so incredibly happy um, that this worked out and that you were able to join us today. You know, it's... um, it's always tough to feel alone when you, you know, you're not the standard bookcase, you know, of this cancer. And so you feel like an outlier. Um, but I'm so happy for, uh, the peach page that we were all able to find it and that we, um, have been able to connect, um, you know, and technology brings us all together. I've never been to right. Philadelphia, you know, so, Come <laughs> um, on down girl. <laughs> yeah. Down here in Florida, you know, um, I'll wait until the snow's gone, but, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, um, we find the community that we need at the time we need it. Um, and so I'm so, so grateful for both of you. And I just hope and pray that both of your journeys continue, um, in an upward trajectory and that your uh, treatments continue to go well. Um, and that you are blessed with as many children as you are able, um, and, uh, to carry or to, you know, um, uh, to have, because I, um, I hope that those blessings come to you. You both deserve tremendous blessings. Thank you so Likewise, much. You ladies. I have you ladies in the group chat now. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> Please do. Please keep yes. us updated. I cannot yes. wait to hear about it. Yes. Um, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This was great. Thank you. Thank you again to both Rylan and Veronica for sharing their stories. What amazing, strong women I am very blessed to know. Also, thank you to everyone who purchased a ticket or and uh, attended our virtual screening of the Conquering Cancer campaign video. This documentary is just chock full of information and statistics and knowledge about a horrific disease, cervical cancer, but a wonderful hope that the WHO wants to eliminate it and has put a plan in place to eliminate cervical cancer globally by the end of the century. If you want to learn more uh, about the Conquering Cancer campaign or purchase a ticket to view the documentary, head on over to our website, downthereaware.com and you'll be able to find a place where you can purchase a ticket there. They're only $5 and every penny of that goes straight to the Conquering Cancer Campaign to support their mission to eliminate cervical cancer. Um, So don't forget, head over to our website www.downthereaware.com to check out more information about the Conquering Cancer Campaign. Thanks for listening.